2: The Catch and Shoot podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot goes well with both red and white and is perfect with a workout of your choice. Our co-hosts are on both coasts and they have all of NBA Nation covered. Adam Stanko in the Bay Area and Noah Kozlov in the Big Apple.
0: Adam, you're making waves. What are you doing? I I see the tweets last week about zion and not hiring an agent and going back to duke and of course i continue reading and and i know where you're coming from just pointing out facts and then all of a sudden i see it on cbs sports twitter feed and then there are infographics made with your tweet there what are you doing
2: yeah yeah well um that's a good question no i i was just trying to lay it out for people i was stunned by the idea that Zion Williamson has not signed with an agent right now. Well, let's, so I, let's
0: make it clear because he might sign by the time this that comes that out. That is we're, true. We're and I expect that to happen on Tuesday morning.
2: Yes, yes. But still, by May 21st, he had not, uh, the morning of May 21st, he had not signed by an agent, signed with an agent. And so I had pointed that out. I thought it was one of the more fascinating stories in all of basketball. I mean, here's this guy that has become this larger-than-life figure And I ended up going on to explain that uh, if he had an agent, an agent could control the narrative, which then turned into the narrative being that this guy might actually leave uh, this, like might go back to school and return to Duke. For his sophomore year and people were running with this story and they were using my original tweet saying <laughs> he didn't have an agent to back up this this premise. But I mean, obviously, no, it makes no sense. The reason guys leave early so that everyone is clear. The reason that people even leave, they would leave out of high school, and the reason the one-and-done is a one-and-done is because guys want to get to that second contract as quickly as possible, and everyone pushes you to do so so that you get more money in your pocket. So all the people that say he lost endorsement money because he's not in New York or L.A., I would say, well, he's going to lose a ton of money if he waits a year to get that second contract, which most people expect will be a max deal.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was never an option for him to go back to college. No. I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I think it was a ride that it went from when he got hurt. Oh, he should never play in college again to now that he's, the Pelicans get the number one pick. Oh, you know what? Maybe he should go back to college. But I don't think anybody who said that or even made light of that is someone that I would take seriously anyway. We will get into, speaking of messes, the Lakers situation with <laughs> ESPN's Om Young Masook in a bit. But first,
1: time to hit
2: the spread. You
0: know, one of these days to just do the spread on how much we love all the other podcasts on this network. So since we're not going to do that today, I'll just acknowledge all of those. The Mike Wise Show, you had Jay Dande, the great journalist who could also talk about this Lakers situation. Had him on this week, Buckets, Boards and Blocks with Monica McNutt. And then the Pure Hoop Show with Eric Newman and BJ Armstrong and us. And we'll get into that other catch and shoot later on. Trust me, I haven't forgotten. <laughs> the The spread today isn't about the Warriors going to their fifth straight finals or what's going to happen in Bucks raptors but has to do with what's going to happen with Kawhi Leonard. And, and the two of us were talking this week, and we thought this would be an interesting conversation about Kawhi Leonard's is one of the best players in the game. And we seem to all assume that Kawhi, that that Kevin Durant is headed to the Lakers, headed to the Knicks, so that we know what he's doing, and that when LeBron was leaving, that he was going to the Lakers. We all knew where he wanted to go, but Kawhi is such an enigma that we have no idea. And it's frustrating for some. I think it's pretty awesome in this day and age that we don't just know that it is a mystery, and we have no idea what is going to happen with Kawhi next season if they make it to the NBA Finals, if they lose now, or even if he had missed that shot against the 76ers.
2: No, all those things are are right on. And you know, I said the dagger for the Sixers in in that shot and in losing that series was that not only are the Sixers bumped out, but every round that Kawhi goes a little further, you had to imagine that it becomes a better chance that this guy ends up staying in Toronto with with every round that he goes. So, now being in the Eastern Conference Finals, If he doesn't get to the NBA finals, where does that leave things? And I think everything was sparked sort of our discussion on the last podcast with um, Toronto native now lives in Florida. uh, Mark Jones, who, you know, talked about the relationship between Kawhi and, and the city of Toronto and the fans there, those rabid fans that are just so great for the NBA. I just have to wonder. Like he said that they're almost okay with him being one of the greatest, maybe the greatest one-year rental of all time. Um, I, I don't know what his relationship is like with the city and how much he enjoys it because you never know with Kawhi and even watching him play. I don't know how much he's like embraced by his teammates. Like even when he made the shot in game seven and he was screaming about it, and you saw this just unbridled passion come out that you just don't see him show any emotion and his teammates were hugging him and, And he was so enthusiastic. Like, I sort of felt good for him and for them because I feel like it's just been an awkward relationship all year, even though he's been so brilliant. Yeah, my my question is, though, so, yes, you would
0: think that there'd be a better chance of Kawhi staying with each win and as far as they advance in the playoffs. But what is a better chance? Like, every time, is it 1%? more he'll right. stay like we we don't we don't know i mean we could say oh well now it should be at 50 at 50 percent chance but we but we don't but we don't know and then it also i think leads us these days because we don't know because the mystery is out there and there's so much information all the time about everybody but not Kawhi is to just assume that we know all right well Kawhi's just Kawhi's not that great of a guy but the fact is we don't know anything about kawaii and, and and nobody and nobody does. Some claim that they do, but we really don't. And I'm actually I'm okay with that. And actually, I'm I'm glad that like New Balance embraced that, and that's where they went with their mm-hmm. with their first campaign with him, and that that he's the face of this thing of uh, of a brand that nobody knows anything about their their basketball side. But we don't we don't know what a what is a a better chance. He says he wants to win. He, he wants, he'll play anywhere where, where he's got the best chance of winning. All right, well, then we get into: well, do the Raptors have a better chance of winning next year with Kawhi than the Clippers do? Well, maybe that depends on is Kevin Durant still out west. So many, so many moving pieces, and it all comes down to we we don't know. But also I think it's the greater conversation of when players say, I want to go here because I had the best chance of winning. Are they really telling the truth? Right. And, and and that that to me is a wrinkle.
2: Well, and Noah, I mean, we don't get to hear authenticity a lot. And, the, the, you know, off the top, we talk about Zion Williamson and, and people running with this story about he doesn't want to be in New Orleans and how could he change, you know, his ability to be there and, and uh, manipulate the whole draft and, and why do we even have a lottery? And, you know, guys can do this. And I'm like, this is so unfair. Zion never said he didn't want to go to new Orleans. No one in his camp said that, but we run with these stories. And now, you know, Kawhi, I just think is so unusual. I mean, you're around a lot of NBA guys, Noah, and I don't just mean front office people or media people. I'm talking about NBA players too. I mean, how rare is it for a guy to, to be this quiet? and and for people not to even understand him or to not uh reveal what his personality is how rare is this In well these
0: days it's extremely rare because everyone's on social media and he's not so it's i mean i almost compare it to just like friends that you haven't really spoken to in years but you feel like you know a lot about them like my wife we'll get into this later on too because it's her birthday tomorrow, and May is just a mess with Mother's Day and birthdays. And- Happy
2: birthday, Marissa.
0: Uh, I know, I gotta do something today. I'm, I'm actually, for the first time, I'm really behind. I'm really behind <laughs> on it. Um, like she's not on social media. So when she sees somebody, she doesn't know everything that's already happened in their lives. With these professional athletes, Adam, we we feel like we know everything because they're putting it out there on social media. but. Yes. Just because they put it out on social media doesn't mean that we really know them. Like we don't, we don't know Kyrie Irving based on what he puts out on social media. I feel like we know Kyrie Irving because of the nonsense that comes out of his mouth when he speaks. Kawhi doesn't do any of that, and that yes. and that could that's the the frustrating part. In, in yeah, frustrating, and in, I think in a in a way that's not bad.
2: No, I it, listen. It's just different. That's all that it is. It's different, and and honestly, that's why. You know, our, our producer Bruce Bernstein points out that Kawhi is, is the one guy that sort of didn't buy into the to the Spurs, Greg Popovich, um, you know, drink that that Kool-Aid. I mean, you talk about a winning culture. I mean, where can you go that's going to give you a better shot to win than what R.C. Buford and, and Greg Popovich are going to put out in front of you? But. He was frustrated because the Spurs like to keep everything insular. And they they like to have their medical staff take care of medical issues. They like to make sure that you're working out at the Spurs facility, that you're working out specific uh, plans that the Spurs have in place, that it's very strict under their control. And Kawhi wasn't necessarily like that. He wanted a second opinion medically. And we could argue whether that's the right move or the wrong move. But the truth is it was just different. And now to see where he's going to end up in free agency, I really have no idea. I've heard the Clippers are, are one of the really likely destinations for him. But, Noah, I wouldn't be that shocked if he ends up anywhere. Like, I, I think anything yeah, is, I. is and available. I, that's why,
0: yeah, that's why I think it's a fool's errand to even predict. I mean, that's, that's the whole point of this conversation is that we have no idea where he's going. And, and, no. it's, not, and it's not based on any intel except the – well, he's from California. And he likes and he likes warm weather, but we haven't said and we haven't heard anything. Kawhi hasn't like tweeted out snowflakes this year, like in right. you know in April when it's cold in Toronto. So we don't, you know, does he? And what would that mean? Does he like the cold? Does he not like the cold? Uh, I don't know. We we really we we don't know. And and players who say I'm, I want to go somewhere where I have the best chance of winning, I would. I would believe that from Kawhi. Yes. But then you could take the flip side and say, well, he left San Antonio. Why would he Why would he leave that culture? <laughs> we could just keep going. We could keep going back and forth on this because there are other players like Kevin Durant who will likely say, you know, and, and all word is that he's, that he's headed to the Knicks, mm-hmm. that the... That all I want to do is play basketball. Focus on basketball. All right. Well, then you're going to the biggest gong show in the NBA, in the Knicks. So you yeah. can't. So you can't use that. So now you're going to go back on what you said a few years ago. But I just, I just want to go and, and, and hoop. I just, I just want to hoop. I just want to hoop. And that's why I went to Golden State Warriors. But yeah, and if you want to win, that's 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 where you go. You can't talk about culture in different places because who really has. Who really has a solidified culture? and does, Noah, and does culture I, mean because you've already you've always won, and you have that culture, or it's because of the the staff and and the ownership,
2: or it's an American city. I mean, Noah, the 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 other the thing I say all the time is that NBA players today, they chase legacy. They don't chase rings anymore. They're past that stage. The money is so great that now it's their legacy. Where do we place Kevin Durant all time? He knows that. He's not going to be on that goat list, that that short list for the greatest of all time unless he leaves, unless he leaves uh, Golden State. And I think that you talk about um, Kawhi Leonard, and I don't know that he's chasing a legacy. I I know Kyrie Irving is. He wants to be placed amongst the greats, and he's talked about it. And what does he have to do to navigate his situation to be that yeah, way? All he does is talk. That's all he does is talk about it. But you, but. But when it comes to Kawhi, we have no idea what is his uh, motivating factor. Where do you where do you stand on the
0: winning breeds culture or chemistry breeds winning? Is it a one shoe fits all?
2: Uh, I think different organizations are set up differently, and I think in today's in today's NBA we talk all the time about it being a superstars league and they control the league and where they go and all of that i think it's become an executives league and and i think that executives control the culture and 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 that's determined by they they can determine wins and losses short term long term what have you and you look around the best executives in the league always get themselves in favorable positions regarding the cap they get themselves in great positions in terms of who they draft, regardless of where they're picking, and whether whether you're talking Bob Myers or RC Buford or Daryl Morey or you know Sam Presti, uh, and of course Danny Ainge. Like all these guys are just elite at crafting their team, having short-term and long-term vision. And I think I think when you talk culture, I think it all starts with what the basketball executives do, and that's why I think New Orleans is actually is in such a good spot right now because not just that, yeah, sure, they got the number one pick, but also because David Griffin, I feel a lot more comfortable with than someone else leading that charge.
0: Right, and and then you bring in Trajan Langdon, who, and and this is another good culture spot from, you bring him in from the Brooklyn Nets, and the Brooklyn Nets coming out of with with Sean Marks coming from the Spurs culture, from the Spurs front office with Pop and, and R.C. Buford, and they haven't won anything yet. They've had great improvements over the past few years and they've put themselves in a position to land a free agent because of what they've built even when they haven't been a contender. And that's significant. Absolutely. It's kind of like, it's kind of like what the Sixers did even when, even when the Sixers were awful, Brett, Brett Brown stood for something and Brett Brown was almost like a sympathetic figure and that guys were willing to end up going there and then you know, of course, they, they got a bunch through the drafts, but Philadelphia seemed like a destination. I don't know about, we'll see how, how long that lasts, but, right. but culture, but cultures are different. But I also don't think that, I think players themselves have, and, and, and rightfully so, they have such big egos and think so highly of themselves as basketball players that they think, well, you know what, no matter what the culture is there, like with the Knicks, for example, I can change that just because oh, yeah. i'm going to be on the team and we'll win and the roar of the crowd i'll change it
2: and you know what's funny noah is usually they do change culture and they do it with unintended consequences of signing one year deals you know and things like that or keeping everyone in uh, the dark about their free agency plans so they do change culture in a lot of cases and they do it in a negative way even though that's not their given intention that was dope <laughs>
0: We're getting into this Lakers derailment with Om Young Masook on the Lakers beat for ESPN.com. Om, before we do that, since these are all big stories every single day, every little nugget with the Lakers,
1: what's the first big story that you broke in your career? Oh, wow. Um, I would say the first really, really big one was probably, um, this is going way back, uh, 19, i say it was 1999, 2000, maybe in 2000, uh, Marcus Camby was, uh, and the Knicks were about to play the Toronto Raptors in the first round. And this is Marcus Camby's kind of first time playing against the Raptors in the playoffs and his old team. And Butch Carter was the head coach of the Toronto Raptors back then. And so Marcus I talked to Marcus about this feature I was doing, kind of about facing the Raptors again. And he was sitting next to Latrell Sprewell in the locker room. We were up in Boston uh, before the Knicks played the uh, Celtics. And I was talking about how the Raptors had said they were going to build their franchise around Marcus Camby and John Wallace at that time. And both of them had been traded. And Marcus had kind of said most of the right things. And um, I said, well, Butch Carter said all these things. And then he kind of reneged on it. And Latrell, Latrell sitting next to Marcus said, uh, he said that about you? And then all of a sudden, Marcus just went off. Marcus was like, oh, he's a liar. He's this, he's that. And so I ended up writing this story. And Butch Carter sued Marcus Camby for $5 million for a defamation of character lawsuit on the eve of the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> and as a, as a young writer, I was like kind of mortified a little bit because my name was in the lawsuit. And I had all these like. New York Daily News lawyers, that's where I used to work, uh, was telling me, don't do any interviews, don't talk about this and everything because you're part of the lawsuit. But I'll never forget, like Jeff Van Gundy and the Knicks loved every moment of this. They were laughing. They couldn't stop cracking up because they were like, we're getting ready to play this team in the playoffs. And their head coach is more consumed by this story about what Marcus said about him and a lawsuit than preparing his team for the playoffs. And so uh, that was kind of like the story that, that I have probably remember is probably uh, the biggest first story I wrote.
0: All right, I know Adam and I now have a bunch of questions about this. What, yeah. uh, what, what was the result of the lawsuit? Uh,
1: nothing. I think it got thrown out. Um, and uh, you know, Marcus was upset. I remember that. Uh, Marcus and I had a good relationship, and then I think he got upset after that. I don't know why. I mean, it was on the record. So, um, but it's the you know, and the Butch Carter. I mean. I don't think he lasted much longer after that. So, uh, but the lawsuit did get thrown out.
2: So um, uh, you talk about relationships and I'm always fascinated by this uh, behind the curtain relationship between writers and uh, guys in the NBA. Um, What, how do you balance uh, maintaining a relationship and writing the stuff that, that has to be written?
1: It's, it's difficult it's definitely a, a juggling act um you know like marcus and i that that entire season uh leading up to that remember i think marcus kind of was like their breakout performer the year before when they made the, in the their finals run um he and latrell spreewell and so um marcus and i used to always talk about like wwe wrestling we were like we were like fans of that and video games and things like that Love and them. so like <laughs> yeah and and then, But then, you know, when it came time like that, write that story, I mean, he said what he said. I had it on tape and everything, you know, like, uh, I just think he was just upset about what happened. You know, obviously, he was getting ready to go into the playoffs, and all of a sudden, he had this massive distraction on his hands of this lawsuit. And so, um, you know, and then after that, I actually got moved on to the, the New Jersey Nets beat. Um, and then, like, 30 days later, Stephon Marbury was traded for Jason Kidd. And so I didn't really see the Knicks as much, and I didn't see Canby as much after that. I was always with the Nets and everything and going to, you know, two NBA finals. So, um, you know, but our relationship changed a little bit after that, I would say. I mean, and the thing about it is you hope that um, these these players that you try to develop relationships with, that they understand, and I think the majority of them do, that as long as these stories are true, even if they don't like what the story is about – if it's if the truth is in it, then most of them will accept that and understand that. And mm-hmm. then you hope that, that eventually they'll get over whatever they're upset and that you have built enough of a relationship with these guys that they know who you are and what you're about and that you're not just some guy coming in to do a hit on them. Um, I think the, the whole thing is you have to try and you know, differentiate yourself and stand out from the pack. I mean, where I've been now, I've been in I've worked in two cities, New York and Los Angeles, where there's a lot of media. And it takes time for these guys to even know your name or to kind of know who you are. Um, I mean, right. so, like, you know, that's that's the thing is you got to try and stand out and try and develop relations with these guys. And it's, it's harder now, I think, because a lot of these guys, you know, they're in the training room. You don't see them out. Um, after games, they bolt pretty fast. They've got, you know, a lot of friends and family and managers around them and things like that. So it's a little harder now um, to develop relationships with, with guys, but you just hope, again, that they kind of know who you are and that they know what you're
2: about and they know you're not shady and things like that. Uh, well, uh, we'd like to welcome uh, Marcus Camby on the podcast right here to <laughs> ask you a question. <laughs> That's, that'd, be great. I mean, I, I,
1: that'd be great. I mean, every time I see Marcus now, like, and then when I see Marcus, we're fine. You know what I mean? I don't think he holds a grudge or anything like that, but I certainly understand his point of view. I mean, look. Like, even I remember the on the eve of that playoffs, I was just like, what is going on? Like, my name is in a lawsuit <laughs> and everything like that. But I remember thinking, like, I can't imagine, like, what Marcus was going through. You know what I mean? Having to go mm-hmm. back, play against the Raptors, his old team, uh, Whole the whole arena's booing him and everything like that. And, uh, you know, and having that lawsuit. But, the you know, I guess when you're caught up in the middle of it then, but then when you can look back at it, you know, years later, it was really nothing. Hey, given... All your time
0: in, in New York and LA. Um, are there is is it always the case where players, since there there is so much media in both those cities, is it always the case where a player has a guy? Like this media member is known as this player's guy. Mm. And you're and you're always trying to crack that or has it just become accepted? Okay, well, so and so player, he's not talking to anybody else, that's his guy.
1: Uh yeah, I mean that is certainly possible. Um I mean I think you know who who develops a relationship with who better than others and what players may trust a certain person more than others absolutely or not even players it could be an executive, it could be a head coach, you know, um GM whatever owner um so certainly I mean you kind of understand that. I mean most of the time it's it's a relationship that's been built for a long time and it could come from another city that they, they were together in where they, you know, mm-hmm. had a long run or something like that. Um, so you, you a lot of times you'll see writers swoop in from another another state who covered somebody who, you know, they had a relationship from before and you just kind of know, well, you, you're just going to brace for the fact that there could be a big story coming because simply because that player or that owner or that executive just trusts this writer more
2: than anyone else and is gonna give them good stuff. Oh, as I was doing some background for this interview, I came across, well, many interesting nuggets about you, but uh, yeah, well, I, the, I'm not even gonna ask you about you taking a date to a new edition concert, which I totally, um, I totally endorse, <laughs> I, I would do the same thing. But I do wanna ask you about the idea that you interned in, I just wanna make sure I have this right, Baltimore, Akron, Atlanta, and Dallas before yes, working in Kansas City? How does that happen?
1: I was a professional intern. Um, I, my junior year, I, started, I had an internship with the, ooh, I think it was the um, Akron Deacon Journal. And then um, my senior year, I interned at the Baltimore Sun. And then after I graduated, I couldn't get a, a, a full-time job. So I continued to intern. And I interned um, in Dallas and Atlanta, uh, Atlanta and Dallas, actually. I did a winter internship in Atlanta, and then I interned that some, the following summer in Dallas, and then I finally got a full-time job in Kansas City. And is that at the point when
0: you got that full-time job, it was that the, all right, I've made it, I'm good?
1: No, because I wanted to cover the NBA. I was like obsessed with covering the NBA coming out of college. And so, were, obviously, and Kansas City State, had no right? NBA team. Yeah, I went to Michigan State, and so um, I basically, like, um, was – I had sent – so, you know, there used to be this thing called the NBA Blue Book, and the NBA Blue Book has every team and every media outlet that covers every team in that city. And I think I sent – I must have sent my application and resume to every single newspaper that covered every team in every city, even the smallest ones. Mm -hmm. And I think it was over 65 newspapers I must have sent stuff to. And so I didn't really get many bites. And so um, I ended up in Kansas City because uh, the sports area there had been one of my assistants in Atlanta when I interned in Atlanta. And he actually um, let me kind of do some NBA stories whenever I would go home to Washington, D.C. I'd go to, you know, bullets practice and write up some features and things and write as much as we could from Kansas City. Um, just features and things like that, and then within one year, uh, New York came calling, and they actually had the uh, backup Knicks and Nets um, position open, um, where I got to work behind Frank, Is- the the great Frank Isola. Yeah, no, you, so, you, you don't need to say
0: great. You can you can just say <laughs> Frank
1: Isola. So I got really lucky um, after one year of being in Kansas City that I got to move on to New York, and then I was in New York uh, for like almost fifteen years. Oh man,
0: I, I just. I wanted to get into Magic Johnson, and
1: now you mentioned
0: Frank. All right, so, I'm gonna ask you, all right, so now I'm going to ask you an nice solo question. At, w- at what point did he really become insecure?
1: <laughs> yeah, I plead the fifth. That's my guy. That's my guy. I've known him for a long time. Uh, I worked with him from 1997 to probably uh, 2010, I think. So, um that's my guy. All like, right, you so know, we'll he, leave him alone. We'll leave him alone. Uh, You're going to get a text, Noah. You're going to get a yeah, text. Yeah, we'll, we'll, leave, we'll
0: leave him alone. Um, and then also one more before we go to Magic D. Uh, when you were in Akron, what years were you in Akron? And, and does this overlap at all with seeing LeBron at a young age?
1: I was in Akron in 1994, summer of 94. So, no, I did not know about LeBron. Uh, um back.
0: Then, right, that was that was, uh, that was even before LeBron's Bar Mitzvah. All right, so let's go. Let's yeah. get into let's get into Magic then. So you're a Michigan State guy, Magic's a Michigan State guy. Did that
1: come up immediately? Oh yeah. Um fact um so when I when the ESPN asked me about thinking about moving to LA, I was kind of like I've been an East Coast guy my entire life. I grew up, you know, in Ma- Silver Spring, Maryland, right outside Washington D.C. Um, worked in New York, and so, you know, I I loved visiting L.A. I just didn't know if I wanted to live there. And so uh, the Lakers were in the lottery, and I had this feeling all along they were going to get Lonzo Ball. I just just knew it. And, like, as soon as, you know, they basically mentioned the Lakers to me, I'm like, these guys are going to get Lonzo Ball. So at that lottery, they got the number two pick. Magic is beaming, and um, I'm in this this scrum around Magic. There must have been, like, 30 of us. And I'm holding my arms as high as I can to shoot video with my phone. And for like, you know, Magic's talking for like 12 minutes. So my arms are just dead. And so at the end, Magic looks at me. And I, I've only interviewed Magic maybe once before this. And that was like back in 2003. About It was about like a feature I was doing on Byron Scott. So there's no way Magic could remember who I was. Even if I told him back then I was from Michigan State and everything. But Magic looks at me at the end and he says, Man, you're too short to hold your arms all the way up there. Come on over here. And then he gives me this big, like, dap and a hug. And I was like, What is going Like, Magic can't remember me. But maybe Magic seen me on TV and, like, you know, because I will always talk about Michigan State and the Spartans. So I'm assuming he probably saw me on ESPN at some point talking about Michigan State. But at that point, that's when I said, all right, I'm moving to LA and I'm going to cover Magic and I'm going to cover the Lakers. And then fast forward to the night Magic steps down, literally maybe like 10, I'm telling you like five minutes before Magic walked through the double doors in front of the Lakers locker room and then basically made his stunning announcement. I was talking to Magic and I said, Magic, where were you? I went to the final four and I was looking for you, you know, in Minneapolis because the Spartans (laughs) were just there. And Magic, said, oh, you know what, uh, a meeting came up, and I couldn't get out of it on Saturday, and I had to go. And I'm thinking, what meeting is more important than Michigan State in the Final <laughs> Four to Magic Johnson? And as we would find out, yeah. not only did he step down, but that Saturday, uh, Woj reported that he and Rob Palenka met with LeBron James and Rich Paul. <laughs> and so, so uh, and I remember I, I talked to Tom Izzo, uh, a few weeks later, after that, and I told Tom this story, and Tom said, "You know, that's the first Final Four Magic's miss that we made." And, mm. and uh, you know, Tom has been how many a billion Final Fours, and he's like, "Yeah, I should have known
2: something was up." Wow, wow, yeah, that's um, something. <laughs> that is that is something. Um, so, oh, we we now over the last few days with the with everything came up on first take. Magic says Rob Pelinka backstabbed him. Polinka says that isn't true. Uh what is the real story?
1: Um, well, I I mean I think you know, I do think there was friction between the two. Um, we have been hearing like stuff in the background that that about the same thing that Rob Polinka had been, you know, perhaps saying these things like, you know, going to the the facility knowing Magic wasn't there and saying, hey, where's Magic? You know, asking people, where's Magic? He's not here. Um, And so, you know, it was was a hard thing to chase down. But I think, like, people were were telling Magic and informing Magic. There's a lot of people that um, didn't like Rob in, in the NBA, whether it be former agents or executives and things like that, and people Magic had known for a long time. And so I think Magic was finally getting wind of that. But I don't think, as Magic says in first take, that that was, you know, the reason why he stepped down. It was a big reason, I think. But I think ultimately it was because Magic couldn't do the job the way he wanted to do it. And so as Magic explained um, finally in detail on first take, basically he was saying that, um, you know, he wanted to fire Luke Walden, which he had said the night he stepped down. He did not want his relationship to to really be damaged with, with Jeannie Buss, who had a great relationship with Luke. But what Magic threw into the picture in first take that wasn't there before was that he threw another name, which was Tim Harris, who is the president of the business operations side and the Lakers alternate governor. And Tim is a pretty pretty sharp guy. He's a guy who's responsible for, I believe, what at the time was the longest deal between a team and a you know um, cable network um basically a sta- a station to hold their rights in Spectrum SportsNet i think it was like 20 years or something like that and he also was responsible for the ESPN LA radio deal with the Lakers as well so he's brought in uh you know a lot of business to the Lakers and i think he's had a long time relationship knowing the bus family and so he's a trusted advisor uh you know the 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 bus family trusts his word but you know he did not want to fire Luke according to magic and so Magic thought that he was going to have the final say on basketball decisions before going to Jeannie Bus, who really had the final, final say. And so when he realized that, you know, Tim Harris was in the room and all these other voices, Magic just said, I can't do the job I, the way I want to do it. And then I also got this guy, Rob Palenka, who I believe is backstabbing me. So he bailed.
2: You, you know, you talk about those other voices like we heard we keep hearing like Linda Rambis has has influence now and has genie buses here i mean how much influence do the i mean you talked about tim harris's influence but how much influence do some of these other voices have you know as far as the ultimate decision making goes
1: i think it's significant i think like linda rambis has had an influence on genie bus for decades they've known each other for four decades they've been best friends as i described F forever uh for a long time and so you know i think when when Magic dropped his bombshell on the franchise on on April 9th, Jeannie surrounded herself and and smartly I think by by you know her most trusted advisors. I think the problem that a lot of people had was that they thought Jeannie Bus would eventually hire a replacement for Magic Johnson. And I never thought she was going to do that. I thought she was just going to kind of. If she was gonna stick with Rob Polinka then she was gonna stick with everybody, and then she did she did that and I think what now what people are saying is is it's a very collaborative effort at the Lakers now where it's the decision making is kind of the top four is Jeannie and then after that you've got Rob Linda Rambus, and Kurt Rambus kind of all talking through decisions with the you know with the basketball staff in mind jesse Bus, joey bus um ryan West uh you've got Tim Harrison there. And so you got you got some other people in there, but it's a very collaborative effort with the uh, the previous four that I said, kind of at the top.
0: But we all know that there are three sides to every story, and and in this case, it's you know Rob Linka's side, magic side, and the truth. So are we are gonna know are we ever gonna know the truth.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, you know, it's probably somewhere in between everything, but I don't think magic is lying. Um I think Magic is telling his side of the story and I think the majority of his side of the story is true. I know Rob said yesterday it's not true. He denied he denied the allegations, but um you know, it could just be semantics too, right? Like I think but what what people are saying is well, you know, look, if Magic really wasn't there and if Rob's asking people where's Magic cuz Magic's Rob's boss, well, you know, if your boss is there, if you're looking for your boss and your boss is not there and you're asking people I mean that part I think was was somewhat true. So, right. Um, but you can spin it like I think in different ways of how it was asked. And you know, look, if your boss isn't around all the time and you're looking to make moves and decisions, but but you know, Magic said as he told Jeannie Bus before he took the job, I've got a lot of other businesses and you know I'm not going to be there every day. I think you know what the fault can lie in is on both of those two for thinking that maybe he could do that job in that manner that. Magic, that job required a little more day-to-day detail. Yes, you could have your lieutenants like Rob be there on a day-to-day basis, but the problem is that Rob and Magic did not have an existing relationship uh, prior to that. Sure, saw the, I'm sure they saw each other all the time because, you know, he, uh, Rob is Kobe's agent, but, like, I don't think they had the type of relationship where they were going to be working that closely. And the first year, all indications were that it was going good, that they ta- they used to talk glowingly about how, they would talk to each other so much on the phone that their wives started to get a little jealous because they were always watching basketball at night, talking to each other on the phone, talking about what they were seeing and then waking up and talking to each other first thing in the morning at like 6am and then doing that and then going to the office and then being around each other all the time. But at some point things turned in last season. um, And it certainly got a little colder between the two. So everything should be cool with Frank Vogel and Jason Kidd then, huh? What's that? So then everything should be cool with Frank Vogel and Jason Kidd. Man, look, last past season was pretty crazy. Um, But, like, this coming season certainly has the potential to maybe top that or equal that, you know, because it's just, you know, we're going to have LeBron again. We're not going to have the Magic dynamic, which certainly, you know, losing Magic Magic brought a, like a glamour and glitz and a charisma every time he talked. And he didn't talk a lot last season. I mean, last season, I mean, I was working on this one story for a while and I needed magic. I mean, I went weeks without seeing magic and I'm not saying magic wasn't at the games. There's just hard, to, it was hard to get in front of him. Um, you know, magic did have a lot going on. He was always like speaking in certain um, certain places around the country um, and things like that, and so like I, I, it took me a while to see Magic, but now with Magic out of the picture, you know, you still have now you have a new element in there, which is you have a new head coach who has to develop a relationship with LeBron James. So that's a lot of that is the same story that we were dealing with last year with Luke Walton, but now you have uh, Jason Kidd on the bench, who some people think is going to be like a potential replacement or successor. So that enters a whole new dynamic because. You know, last year, there were times when we would look and we would see, is LeBron talking to Luke, um, you know, or is he just communicating with the assistants and things like that? Now the attention on that is going to be like even 10 times that. You're going to be looking to see, you know, what exactly are the young players, how are they developing with Jason Kidd, their relationship with LeBron James as well. LeBron and Jason were teammates on Team USA. And so, you know, a guy that was supposed to be considered for a head coaching job Now, as the number one assistant, uh, you know, everybody's just going to be looking for things there to see, um, you know, if there's going to be drama there. And then, of course, you have the young guys again coming back. How are they going to deal with everything? They had a tough season last year where, like, you know, the chemistry in the locker room was horrible after, you know, following the Anthony Davis trade rumors. And so now you're wondering, how is this all going to be repaired? Who's going to be the next star that comes in in free agency? How that guy gonna, is if they do get a max free agent, how is that guy going to fit with LeBron James and the younger kids? So you've got all that set up for this season, and the season hasn't even started yet.
2: You, you talk about the free agency situation, which I think is, is really the most fascinating one. When, when people talk about free agents going to the Knicks or elsewhere, a lot of times you can roll your eyes and say, yeah, we, we know it's a major market, but that doesn't mean they're automatically getting them. You hear a name associated with the Lakers, it typically means there's a very good chance they're going to be a Laker. How does how does all this chaos then impact uh, free agency? It's
1: a great question. I asked Rob that yesterday in the press conference because I said, Rob, um, Magic said a lot of things about you. And so, you know, Magic was supposed to be the closer in these free agent meetings. Mm-hmm. and what what do you worry that free agents will look and see what Magic said and judge you off of that? And he said, he must have said the word work, which is the new mantra for Rob, like we just got to put our heads down and just work and just keep working and work. And <laughs> so he just kept saying that over and over again. And I noticed that he had said that the other night when we first got him on a conference call when the Lakers moved from 11 to 4 and the lottery. And so that's kind of like his thing where he's just going to keep saying work, 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 work. And he said all the right things, but you know, you got to wonder if agents and players are going to look and see what exactly is going on, uh, what their relation, what their agent's relationship is with Rob and Kurt Rambis, Linda Rambis and Jeannie Buss. And, you know, do they believe that there's stability now moving forward with the Lakers or if it's just going to be a circus? even more of a circus. And the the fact of the matter is when Magic stepped down on April 9th, this franchise got sent into like utter chaos. And it's been like that now for like a month. Maybe things now will finally stabilize because I can't imagine the Magic Rob thing now is kind of behind us. I'm sure there's going to be some more drama around the corner at some point for the Lakers. There always is, but I can't imagine anything being more chaotic and crazier than, this last day um, before free agency starts. There should be some stability because we know now that Rob's the guy. They're not going to hire another president of basketball operations. And it's going to be Rob, Jeannie, Kurt, and, and uh, Linda Rambis kind of like at the top, all kind of consulting each other and, and having a collective effort as far as decision making.
0: Um, Who's going to be the on, – on opening day, who's going to be the, the second best player on the Lakers?
1: Um – I'm going to say it's going to be either somebody like Kyrie Irving or perhaps like Chris Middleton. It's going to be something like that. Oh, I think like oh, wow. if they strike out, you know, with the top guys and I throw Kyrie in that mix, let's say Kyrie stays in the New York, you know, decides to go in the New York area, whether it's the Nets or the Knicks. Um, I don't know who, like, you know, Lakers might, Lakers might strike out. So maybe they'll go, you know, they'll have to, go after somebody like a, a second tier guy like Chris Middleton. I'm sure they would love to get their, you know, you know, trade for Anthony Davis or even if it's like Bradley Beal or something like that. I'm not quite sure. Uh there's just there's too many things going on with the other teams that you know, like with Anthony Davis you have Dave you have David Griffin in charge now. He's gonna go and get the best possible package. Um and I I maybe I'm just in my personal opinion, I just don't really see Anthony Davis being traded to the Lakers um like maybe Anthony Davis will end up a Lakers a free agent but uh I don't know I just think maybe worse you know worst case scenario is the Lakers end up with a with a second tier free agent guy like Chris Middleton who would be a pretty good fit just that I I don't, don't know if I'd want to invest a max contract long term uh especially with an aging LeBron James as well sure
2: uh you well you just said it lebron james getting older but you've had the chance to to be around him quite a bit um do you have a story uh about lebron james maybe something revealing that the people just don't know or don't see from the outside being around him so much um
1: you know i think lebron lebron can manage and handle the chaos around him pretty well i think he uh he He knows, like, you know, how big the media scrum is around him and the attention. Like yesterday, you know, like we're at the press conference and LeBron stood in the back, kind of watched the whole thing, and then kind of lingered around after a while and just, you know, shot the basketball around by himself. And he knew the cameras were there and everything like that. And so it was almost like LeBron just kind of missed everything a little bit, missed the attention, because this is the first time he's – been out of the playoffs in forever. And Mm. so, you know, I think LeBron, um, I think LeBron kind of likes, likes the attention a little bit and everything, Um, you know, and I think he's, he's very, very savvy. I mean, um, I gotta say like the, you know, for the most part, he knows what he's saying and everything is measured. Um, But like, I think the one night, which was really cool to kind of see was the night that he um, surpassed Michael and, and, when he held his press conf or when he held his little talk with reporters at his locker afterwards, he let his guard down, which I thought was really, really cool to see, but I taught, it, it, LeBron became like 13-year-old LeBron, where he was talking about how much he idolized Michael, and I always kind of knew, you know, he idolized Michael, and I always kind of thought LeBron was probably hurt a little bit that Michael is kind of, you know, it's a little cold to him and Michael doesn't go out of his way to kind of like say great things about LeBron, you know, but you got a glimpse to see how much he really grew up loving Michael Jordan, where he said Michael meant everything to him and his friends growing up in Akron. Um, and then he went into detail about, I wanted to do everything like Michael and dress like Michael down to, you know, he had the tights underneath his shorts coming out, he had basically the little red band around his, like, elbow, forearm area. You know, I wanted that. I wanted to do that. Like, he, he talked about a car- a morning Saturday morning cartoon that Michael was in with Wayne Gretzky. You know what I mean? It was like he took you back to basically growing up then in Akron. And I remember thinking, like, this is really cool because LeBron has just let his guard down and let us all in to, like, childhood LeBron growing up and what Michael meant to him. And he started to get emotional, and I thought it, it's always kind of cool to see like a superstar like that who is so polished um, and so measured with everything he does. That he kind of gave us a glimpse of just like into childhood LeBron. That was a really cool moment. Yeah, that's how I felt earlier when you were talking about Isola. Similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Isola, like You know, listen. If I had said something about Isola, I would never hear the end of it. Oh, well, I know it. And you, and you I know get that. There. Oh, I know
0: it. Um, since this is the, the catch and shoot podcast, we always ask our guests, game seven, catch and shoot, who do you want taking your shot? And since and we kind of tailor it to depending on who the guest is, so it can be for you, let's go with a player that you've covered, that you've been around day to day, who do you want taking that shot? Or you can go with a media member that you'd want taking a big shot.
1: Oh. Hmm. Um, wow. Somebody I've covered or a media member. Um, you know what? I'll, that's a really tough one. Actually. Um, I'd have to go with, I'd have to go with magic. As far as people I covered, um, you know, I've seen some people hit some big time shots. Uh, I mean, I would – my Michigan State bias would also say Steve Smith because I've seen Steve Smith hit some really big shots. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say um, Mo
2: Pete? I thought you were going to say <laughs> Mo P. I thought he was going to
1: say
0: Sean Respert. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh
1: Sean Respert was was uh, the one of the best shooters I ever saw live because Sean Respert and I are the same age. And so Sean Respert was amazing in college. Unbelievable. No doubt. Uh, and, I would, and I would say, look, I'll throw my guy Allen Houston in there because uh, he hit – an unforgettable shot that I got to cover live, which was the running jumper against the Miami Heat um, mm-hmm. to win game five. So, um, but yeah, I would probably, Steve Smith. I wouldn't sleep on my guy, Steve Smith. Steve, Steve Smith was clutch.
0: Um, we appreciate it. This was great. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me, guys.
2: Yeah, thank you all. I think we're about to go off the rails.
0: You know, there's nothing I can do about the sirens in New York City i don't I don't live in a in a soundproof apartment, but there's no real need for the actual transition to go from the Lakers to an off the rail segment since you, you can't get any more off the rails than than the Lakers but it's true but the, but there is another catch and shoot podcast out there so <laughs> so we so this has uh, come to our attention maybe that's what uh, maybe the sirens have caught this gentleman who is uh tried to take our our name here, catch and shoot. So when you type in catch and shoot into iTunes, and that's how it's the best way to find us. Just type in catch and shoot, and then you'll see our faces, looking like uh, a bit cartoonish. I kind of I like our logo. And there's another one, catch and shoot. A gentleman's name is Nate Diamond, and they uh, and they put out their first episode. Now look, I'm not one to fight, but I mean, what do, what are we gonna what are we gonna do about this?
2: Uh, no, first of all, you you call him a gentleman. It- I, they they advertise themselves as being kids that have started a, a podcast with a take on sports that they know more than than the rest of us. Mm, I, I don't think
0: they're kids because the way they write it, it's we comma a bunch of kids comma the, the kids don't even use that many commas in a sentence.
2: I, I, I listened, don't think they're kids. No, I listened to this thing. I listened to oh you uh, did the uh, Bizarro Catch and Shoot. They're kids. <laughs> they're kids. Really? So yes, like, yes, like um, like
0: preview kids.
2: I think I think uh, pubescent kids I think would be more fair. I don't know. There's like a handful in a room. They've got better audio equipment than we do.
0: Um, <laughs> that I have no doubt.
2: And uh, no, they're they, they've got this whole thing figured out. They they were giving takes on the NBA draft. I you know, I was thinking that, you know, forget Bruce getting replaced. I, I was thinking I'm gonna get replaced on this podcast when I heard Nate Diamond. I'm like, Noah's gonna hear this guy and I'm done. I'm done.
0: Um can I can't I don't know how to reach out to this guy cuz I went on Twitter and and found him but there's no followers it's very, it is it's very bizarre. I I want I want to be a guest.
2: Yeah, maybe we need to just search middle schools and see if we can come across his. I don't even know if that's, we're allowed to use this actually, kid's that's name. Actually, that's, actually, that's actually as pretty pretty a minor. Creepy. That
0: that's pretty creepy. Just searching <laughs> middle searching middle schools for this kid. <laughs>
2: Just to tell him, hey man, cut it out. We already got catch and shoot. Meet, it, meet, meet him on the
0: playground during recess. Knock his, so, <laughs> knock his, knock his peanut butter and jelly out of his hand.
2: So hey, if you uh, if you're listening to us because you went for Nate Diamond's catch and shoot <laughs> podcast, I hope you've enjoyed this one. I think it's been pretty good.
0: Oh boy, but you definitely don't know him, right? This is I, you, you have you haven't you're not doing this in all the spare time you have. This isn't. Uh, Let me start a
2: second catch and shoot podcast. No, no, I don't know this guy.
0: Um, All right, so also, so all right, so it's it's Marissa's birthday on Wednesday, and May is just so. My dad's birthday is April 30th. My mom's birthday is May 9th. This year, they both turned 70. Then we have Mother's Day. So we've got that, and then today, as we record, Tuesday is Marissa's brother's birthday, and then tomorrow, the 22nd, is Marissa's birthday. Then the 24th is Marissa's father's birthday. It may is just it's overwhelming with celebrations.
2: How do you manage and, that?
0: Um, th- usually fine, but this year i'm i'm very i'm very behind. I need to figure out today what I'm doing for Marissa's birthday. I, I know we're gonna go out to dinner. I haven't gotten her anything yet, but usually we don't get each other anything. We just take each other to dinner, and. Um, but I got to make sure that I got to make sure that Eden makes makes a card. I got to go get a card. Then you got. I always get a, um, I oftentimes get a blank card because I feel like I can write something more meaningful in there than what Hallmark or any of the other cards can write.
2: Cocky, but I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. I. I yeah. Not, not cocky. I think.
2: Uh, yeah. Confident, no. I, confident. I, yeah, no. No. I. It was. I was. Uh, just joking with you, but our our producer Bruce says that uh, that you buy cards out of the ten pack because you're going to use all of them. So, have you used that method before buying in bulk?
0: No, what I barbarian uh, bulk bulk birthday cards. Come
2: on. <laughs> well, just all seasons, maybe. You, maybe there's uh, I I've known people who have done that, like just bought a bunch of cards and they just had a drawer so they could never forget. Like, oh, so and so's birthday's tomorrow. Awesome. I'm good to no, go. No. Meanwhile, can I can I just throw one thing out at you before we before Who we has that going? many stamps? Yeah, what do you have? So uh Mother's Day, we had talked about being this whole occasion that, you know, was wild. I, I talked about it on a previous podcasts. We end up going to this soccer game and out to dinner and doing all these things. And like I usually really do, despite what I say on here, like really try to make things special for my wife. She's an amazing Person, she really is. I mean, people that know her always tell me how like lucky I am, and how how somehow I fell into this, and I don't deserve her. Like, almost push it way too far. Yeah, I still. mean,
0: you 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 deserve it. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> but like people start out by saying, "Hey, man, you are so lucky." Do you realize? And then it starts to get like awkward by how much. But anyway. The point is I do try to make things special for her. She's an amazing person and I love her to death. She just won a Peabody award for some of her work. She's on, on so many levels. She's incredible. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, I didn't have time to do the mother's day card. I had thought all the things that I wanted to say, but didn't have time to write it. She caught me writing it no. in the bathroom. No way. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to hide it. Like I tried to put it behind like a, like a towel, and then I came out of the bathroom. What? And she... <laughs> yeah, this has been a sore subject in my house for the last couple wait, of wait, weeks. Wait,
0: so. wait, were you standing up at the sink, or were you actually on the toilet?
2: Uh, Well, let's say on the toilet. Let's say on the toilet. Oh, my oh. God. But listen, I do some of my best thinking, that apparently some of my best writing. And as of this recording, that's as of this so recording, great. she still has not opened the card yet. So... <laughs> and rightfully <laughs> yes. so probably rightfully so is that off the rails
0: you're off your rocker that's for sure
2: um by the way uh producer bruce and producer scott both say that i've outkicked my coverage and and bruce says that i'm an outkicked his coverage hall of famer so uh i'll point that out yeah, uh, we, we do want to thank we do want to thank, no, yes, absolutely, yeah, for sure, for you. Uh, we do want to thank not only our wives, who are wonderful people. Happy birthday to Marissa. But, of course, producers, Bruce Bernstein, Scott Turkin, uh, as well as the rest of the Pure Hoops Media team and uh, all the people running these unbelievable podcasts. And check out the website, too, purehoopsmedia.com. Some great stuff there. And, uh, no anyone you want to thank from the Pure Hoops family?
0: Yeah, I want to thank our, our legal team for getting after the – the bizarro catch and shoot podcast um i know i know it's going to cost a lot but
2: it would be money well spent thanks for being right on that guys noah as always thank you buddy all right i'll talk to you next week
1: the catch and shoot podcast is a presentation of
2: pure hoops media